Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. If this is your first visit to the Wicked Library, we do want you to be aware that this is a horror fiction podcast. That means it contains adult themes, adult situations, and is designed to make you feel afraid, or at the very least, uncomfortable. If you're not up for that, not the show for you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to the Wicked Library's presentation of The Darkness in Between, Season 1, Episode Number 7. This is our interseasonal entertainment while we're hard at work on putting together season 11 of the show and also working on the new season of The Private Collector. We do, of course, still have another episode left in season two to come at you guys. If you're a Patreon supporter, you will get that first. Free listeners, you'll get that eventually as well. Speaking of Patreon support, if you are not yet a Patreon supporter and you'd like to be a part of helping us keep the show coming, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wicked library. All supporters get access to our shows ad-free at higher bit rates and also access to our archives of classic episodes. Higher levels of support get you access to Wicked Fairy Tales and bonus stories before anybody else hears them, as well as access to The Private Collector months before they air in the free show. Again, you can support the show you love at patreon.com forward slash wicked library. Now, without further ado, today's episode is written by Caleb Stevens, entitled If Only a Heart, and told by Nelson Piles. The frost hit him first, a cold ether that woke him stiff, head to toe. Paul cracked his eyes open to the weak, pre-dawn light of the tent and rolled toward his daughter, toward the bloom of cinnamon hair, so like Catherine's, coffee and milk. His hand drifted for her shoulder. Morning, how'd you... The word died on his tongue. Her sleeping bag was empty. The red nylon wrinkled and overturned. He sat up, his gaze now falling on the open tent flap and the gray wash of sky beyond. A sliver of purple bruised mountain in the distance. She must be up already, he thought, unzipping himself and standing to stretch. He got dressed, fumbled a hoodie from his pack, and pushed out to a mix of wet earth and fog. Paul glanced around the campsite for Olivia, saw only the pair of logs they dragged next to the fire last night, and miles of dense thicket stretched out beneath a gray dome sky. Off the beaten path. It's where Olivia had wanted to go. Somewhere, she, they, could get away from the pain. Pain that hung on them both like thousand-pound anchors, the two of them casting about on a dead sea in broken ships, 
No wind, no motion. Just empty black water and despair threatening to pull them down, down, down. Paul cupped his hands to his mouth and blew, turned to look at the wall of greenery behind him where she must have slipped off to pee. Off the beaten path. And they were. Sidetracked by at least a quarter mile, maybe more, diverted last night by a stray deer trail in the fading light. It had grown nearly dark by the time he'd realized his error and brought them to a halt. Too late to turn around. Best to break for camp and find their way back in the morning. Morning. Silence. Too much of it. He should have heard something of her by now. A rustling through the brush. Her twelve-year-old feet on the wet leaves. Anything. But there was nothing. No breeze. No birds. Too quiet. Something was wrong. A jangly flutter of nerves, and he walked to the edge of camp and called for her, brought his hands up and yelled, Livy, it's time for breakfast! Nothing. And somehow he knew there'd be nothing. A chill spread through him, a cool slick of it pooling in his chest. His limbs, that familiar anxious knife of dread at losing her as he'd lost Catherine. He yelled again, louder this time, his voice taking on the tone that always brought her running. Livy! His voice echoed back, faintly, swallowed by all the brush. He circled the camp, calling out and looking for footprints, for any sign of her, of which there was none. Just the forest floor, rich with pine needles and drifts of shed bark. Witch hazel. Then he spotted it a carving in the trunk of a sapling maple at the edge of camp, the shavings fresh, a heart. But not the ubiquitous curve of love he'd seen etched into the bark of so many neighborhood trees. This heart was an actual heart, so lifelike he practically expected it to start beating. Two atria, two ventricles, veins cutting exquisitely through muscle. How is it so detailed? Paul wondered. He knew no blade could have carved this. It was far too intricate for someone to hack into with a tree with a Swiss army knife. And if they had, it would have taken weeks. No one would spend that amount of time, not up here. He blinked and looked lower, felt the air rush out of him at what he saw. The print of something large and thin in the earth. Bone-like. Deep. Fresh. Five, no. Six toes. Claw marks. Paul burst into the thicket and ran. Don't you dare, Catherine said, slapping his hand away from the radio. Paul laughed, smirked. She rolled her eyes at him before looking back through the rain-spattered windshield toward the canyon of trees beyond. The gunmetal sky. You really think she'll have fun? I know she will. It's just... She's never been away from us this long before. I think it'll be harder on you. Probably. He reached over and took her hand, squeezed. Livy's a tough one, like her mom. She'll be fine. One look at the camp and Paul knew Olivia would forget about them the second they left. The lakes, the woods, the horses and all the activities. Archery, soccer, rock climbing, arts and crafts. The place was a kid's dream on steroids. I hope so. 
Her voice cracked and her hand slid free of his, fluttered at the corner of her eye. Come on, Cat. she'll do great. I know, she's just growing up so fast, I'm not ready for it. Me either. And he wasn't. She was growing up too fast. It seemed just yesterday he was bouncing around his knee as a toddler, those huge brown eyes of hers begging him for another bedtime story. And now she was twelve? How had it happened? I'm not ready for this, Catherine continued. She'll be in middle school next year. Middle school! I just feel like... Her mouth suddenly peeled apart, eyebrows ripping up her forehead. Paul, watch out! He snapped back to the road, too late, jerked the wheel right to avoid the oncoming truck as it careened over the yellow line. Then they were slamming down the hill, rocks and dirt and branches slapping at the glass before an expanse of cold, dead air and the sensation of falling. The bracken thickened around him, became so dense he wondered how he'd ever work through it. Branches toward his throat, his arms etched red tracks across his skin. Still, he bowled forward through the undergrowth. The pain didn't matter. Nothing did but following those prints in the muddy earth. They were so far apart, impossibly so, like they belonged to something with ten-foot stilts for legs. His heart thundered in his chest with every step. Livy. He couldn't lose her. Not after Catherine. She was all that was left of her. The only thing that kept his ruined heart beating, and even then, just so. Deadfall littered his path, snags of trees and decayed wood to work through, each step bringing him further into a world that shouldn't exist in Appalachia. He'd been on plenty of backpacking trips with Catherine before they'd married. Nights spent sipping wine from red solo cups with the stars sprinkled above them in great drifts of powdered sugar. The fresh scent of pine and campfire smoke. Days out here. Sometimes weeks. In all that time, nothing remotely like this. With each step, the forest seemed to grow around him, the trees towering twenty, thirty, a hundred feet overhead. Larger and larger, like he'd stepped into the middle of an old growth preserve. Black bark giants that stretched for the sky. Long strips of moss trailing from their branches to the forest floor. Massive ferns and other bushes he couldn't name. Magnolias the size of footballs. Strange colors everywhere, everything, prehistoric looking. And all along, he screamed for her, his voice pitching higher and higher, desperation tearing at his throat. Livy! Silence. Even here in this ancient place that should be teeming with life, a black silence that infected him with terror, a palpable sense of dread, the light suffocated above by the thick canopy of leaves, rotting it so that he could barely see ten feet in front of him now. Catherine's voice in his ear, that final request, Protect her, Paul. Livy! Ahead. Through a copse of hemlock, weathered wood long gone to hell flashed at him. Chalk gray and leaching dust, he broke into a wide clearing, heavy with waist-high clumps of wild grass and slid to a stop. A stitch of pain savaged his side, his lungs aching for air as he stared at... A cabin? A 
cabin, yes, but not a cabin. Something else. Something that didn't make sense. Support beams erupted from the earth at impossible angles and curved through the structure in ways timber shouldn't move. Smooth bends and vicious 90-degree twists. A swooping front porch with no doors or railing. Thin slat planks pasted together in intersecting angles. A patchwork roof. Windows pocked the exterior with the haphazardness of a shotgun blast. Some sideways, some upside down. All of them at odd, unnatural gradients that made no sense. His vision blurred and he angrily wiped at his eyes. Focused. Whatever had taken his little girl had brought her here. Buried her somewhere inside this monstrosity. He wasn't sure how he knew it, but he knew it like he knew gravity. He could feel her through the walls. Could imagine her screaming for him. Acid splashed up his throat, and the black wave of panic spread through his limbs once more. Livy, I'm coming. He picked up a rock and took aim at the closest window, hurled it and watched it bounce off the opaque glass with a sluggish clunk. He tried again, harder this time, to the same result. A dull thud and the rock in the grass. The prince. Find the prince. He dropped to his hands and knees and scanned the ground frantically, parted the grass and crawled through the slop like a lunatic until he spotted one. Another. His heart leapt and he was back on his feet, racing around the structure after them. They led him to a black sweep of earth and a heavy set of flagstone steps descending lower. He took them two at a time until he reached a panel of ancient metal. No markings. No features. Simply a door of some sort. Rusted iron. As he reached for it, a strange grinding scarred the air. A deep vibration that cut through the earth and rattled his bones. A jolt of adrenaline drenched his lungs and he spun around. He'd only taken six, maybe seven steps, but the stone staircase now stretched impossibly high above him. At least a hundred steps. Maybe more. Beyond them, a thin slice of morning sunlight carved down through the newly formed canyon of stone, dust motes glittering wildly. Paul stood speechless, shook his head. Not possible. He swallowed his fear and spun back to the door, examined it. Smooth metal save one feature. A heart. The same heart from the tree at camp, stamped directly in the center. No doorknob. No way in. His pulse crashed in his ears, and he raised his fist, ready to fracture his knuckles if that's what it took to break through. Stopped. He didn't know why, but something about the door filled Paul with a terror so palpable, so thick, it erupted over his skin in a wave of goose flesh. He hesitated for a moment, two, then unwound his fist and tentatively set a single finger on the door. The others followed. His fingernails click, click, clicking down over the cool metal. His palm. The heat was instant. Tore through his skin like a wildfire. Liquid hot, like he'd cranked an oven burner to ten. Frantic, he jerked his hand back, but... It wouldn't... Fucking... Move... Paul stared in horror as a flare of acrid smoke curled from a fingertip. 
Another. Then it was his entire hand blistering, crackling like a greased strip of bacon. Seared to the metal. He could smell it, taste it. Sweet heat. The pain was endless, ungodly. A scream ripped from him. An otherworldly scream he didn't recognize as his own. Blacked out. Woke. Squinted against an intense refraction of light. He was in some sort of chamber. Yes, a chamber draped in mirrors. They surrounded him on all sides, some encrusted with glittering nameless jewels, colors so intense, so bright he could barely stand to look at them. Others mere glass and metal, but everything lurid and dripping with light. So much light. My hand! Paul whipped his gaze down his arm, expecting to see blackened flesh. Instead, saw his arm bound, his hand smooth and pink. Healthy. What the? He blinked hard, flexed his fingers, and glanced to his other hand, which was also bound. To a chair, but not exactly a chair. To something else. Something alive. He could sense that, feel, the heat of it against his skin, a rough, flesh-like texture, a strange pulse radiating through him. A heartbeat. Then he was thrashing, tearing at the restraints which only tightened with each jerk, each pull, so tight. It felt as if they'd sever his flesh, his bone. Still, he tore at the binds, living on his mind, finding her the only thing that mattered. Again, Catherine's voice in his ear. Protect her. Dread suddenly enveloped him, the same thick, tangible sense of dread that had overwhelmed him at the door. Cold paralysis. The feeling of being watched. Of being consumed. He searched for it, eyes wild and squinted against the sharp illumination across the room. Saw it. Not quite darkness. Not quite light. Something else. A void. Air whirling around it like smoke. Everything distorted. And in the center, a figure. Watching. Movement. A straightening of bone. Joints snapping into place. Rising. Rising. The thing so tall it nearly scraped the chamber vault. Slowly it lumbered toward him. That swirl of air, of light, blurring its features. Paul tried to make it out, caught snatches of impossibly purple irises, an elongated mouthless jaw, and limbs draped in translucent flesh, black veins, black organs. Cold sweat spackled the back of his neck as the thing drew near, towered over him with those bright eyes all he could make out through the brilliant sheen. Daddy! Paul's heart carved through his chest at the sound of Livy's voice. It came from every direction, all at once. He jerked to the side, saw her staring back at him from all the glass. A thousand sets of auburn eyes, her warm spray of freckles above lips curved wide in fear. His little girl surrounded him, was in every mirror. Paul snapped his gaze back toward the thing, those terrible eyes impossibly high above him, now slits. What do you want from me? Something brushed his cheek. 
the creature's hand cool and thin, and Paul slumped forward. Water rushing, stones heaving, grinding, the sensation of floating, sinking, heavy, wet weight on his chest, his arms. Paul, I, I can't move. A wretched cough next to him and he shot away to a mouthful of dirty river. The sound of rapids, green water swirled around him, foam. He blinked hard and shook his head, trying to clear the cobwebs dancing through his vision. Something warm crept over his forehead and into his eyes. Paul! Catherine. He jerked toward the voice, pawed the blood from his vision. She blinked, her neck angled unnaturally away from him, but her eyes alive and panicked. Her lips were trembling, nostrils flared. Help me! He came alive at that and fumbled frantically at his seatbelt, ripped it off and sloshed his torso clumsily over the center console. His hands dove into the freezing water near her waist and went for her seatbelt. His fingers already dumb with cold, heart thrashing in his chest. What happened? she asked. He pulled himself nearly on top of her, desperate to find the buckle. A flash of the road, the truck as it crossed the yellow line, barreled straight for them. Shit! Hang on! His thumb found the button and he pressed, jerked the seatbelt from her lap and circled his arms around her torso. Heaved. She was pure, dead weight. Something snagged as he jerked again. She cried out as he eased her back, his hand on her cheek. Hey, I'm, I'm right here. T take a breath and tell me what hurts, okay? I can't. I... I... And she coughed something wet from her lungs. I can't feel anything. Her eyes fluttered at that, and he knew he was losing her. Already, he was losing her. Jesus. Stay with me, cat. She blinked and gave him a slight nod, the river nearly to her chest now. Frantic, he sucked in a lungful of air and plunged beneath the icy water, felt down her leg to an angry snarl of metal. He pried at it, pulled on her leg until his lungs nearly burst, kept pulling. Finally, he thrust up again for a ragged breath. The water was in her chin now, her eyes muddy, unfocused. Go, she said, her voice barely a whisper above the water's roar. No, I'm, I'm not leaving you. You have to. F for Livy. The SUV's frame groaned, tilted, water bubbled through the windows. The doors, they were spinning, sinking deeper. The rapids were deafening now. His heart caught in his throat. Cat! Her eyes came alive, caught his. Protect her, Paul. Promise me. He said, unmoving, every fiber of his being drowning with her, unable to speak, to move. Promise me. He nodded, felt for her hands one last time. Good. Now go. He swallowed, his throat so thick with the memory of her he could barely move, barely breathe. It's like he'd been back there, in all that frothing water, its icy grasp. He could still feel her hand in his, could still see the panic in her eyes as she begged him to let her go, for Livy's sake. I can protect 
<sighs> the voice tore through him like a waterfall of glass, sharp and piercingly bright, inhuman. He seized back against the chair that wasn't a chair, took a sharp, painful breath and looked up again, stared at those bright, bright eyes. Your life for hers. The thing was speaking to him, but not speaking. No sound, no words. It had no mouth. It was more a transfer of emotion laced with terrible meaning. Terrible because he instantly understood it as the truth. This thing, this creature, whatever it was, was telling him the truth. A life for a life. Daddy, help me! A blinding rage tore through him at Livy's voice, and he ripped at the restraints around his wrists once more, seized with all his strength to break free, to kill. The crack of his wrist was instant, the bones in his right hand splitting like brittle kindling as the restraint ripped tighter. A dry pop, pop, crunch. Anguish. He fought for a breath, could barely get the words out. His ruined wrist, pulsed with pain, throbbed unnaturally. He jerked his gaze up. Why are you doing this? What do you want? The abomination leaned lower, traced a translucent, multi-jointed finger from his cheek down his neck to his heart, where it stopped. A single black talon tapped his chest. Jews. Where are you, Daddy? I, I can't see anything. It's dark in here. I'm scared. So scared. Her voice cracked. Why won't you help me? He broke at that. A trace of her as a little girl, fresh from a nightmare. Her face still creased with it, long eyelashes fluttering. His hand on her cheek as he whispered her back to sleep. The pad of his thumbs beneath her chin. His lips close to her ear. Daddy's here, baby. You're safe now. You're safe. Yes! Paul gasped. The creature was in his head, his very cells. It was literally a part of him. He could feel it, taste it, smoke and ash. But what did it mean? What would he be leaving Livy with? Just the thought of losing her to this awful thing gutted him flooded him with an unbearable despair, but he had to make a choice or it would kill her. That much he knew. The words burst up his throat, unchecked and urgent. Me! Take me, goddamn you! The thing shuddered, its emotions spilling through him, a cold blend of ecstasy and excitement, something more. Relief. An endless ocean. Cool and wet, like it had been damned for centuries. The voice swept through him again. Yes. I will protect her. The talon at his chest flicked, sliced through his shirt and hovered above his naked flesh for an agonizing moment as the creature's eyes bore into him. The finger moved again, and Paul watched in horror as the talon cut a perfect red X in his skin. A hot sheet of blood spilled over his chest, then other fingers joined a blur of talons. Cutting, cutting, 
so sharp inside him. He screamed. The sensation more than pain, something beyond pain, pure anguish, like nothing he'd ever felt. His ribs cracked, vessels sliced, then a terrible pressure, a fatal jerking sensation. One, two, three times, ripping. Vital things inside him gave way, snapped free with a wet, sucking sound as the creature withdrew its multi-jointed claw. And in it, Paul saw a heart. His heart. Still beating. Thump. The thump. Thump. His fucking heart. Paul gasped as his vision curled in at the corners like a photograph set aflame. Still he watched as the thing lifted his beating heart up, up, up so high, stopping at its face. The air stilled, that hazy sheen clearing long enough to reveal a smooth, mouthless jaw, crystalline flesh and no nose. The creature stared at the heart, mesmerized, tilted its head and began grinding its jaw back and forth, back and forth. A shredding sound filled the air, something like stitches popping. Then that translucent skin tore piece by piece, inch by inch, to reveal the beginnings of a mouth. A horrible, wet, semicircle of a mouth that became a dark maw, black as a cave. The creature's jaw unhinged further, that awful skin ripping, popping, until, to Paul's horror, it lifted his heart and placed it inside swallowed, then nothing at all. The woman came into existence, one frame at a time. A splash of color in the middle of the mirrored chamber, a yellow summer dress and a froth of brown hair over her shoulder. That smile and the tan summer skin that had slayed him all those years ago in freshman biology. Catherine. But. It couldn't be. She was in the river, never found, though they dredged and dredged. Still, it was her, just a few feet away, and clutching something. No, someone, to her chest. A girl. Somehow important, the most important thing of all. Sobbing. The girl's shoulders heaved as the woman, he couldn't remember her name now, pulled her closer and whispered something in her ear squeezed her tighter. Paul felt a vague sensation of sinking, of being pulled down, down, down. Why couldn't he remember her name? Why couldn't he remember his own? And his body, so different, so strange, something off. He glanced down his arm, felt his eyes widen in shock. His skin was clear. Jesus! He swallowed hard at the sight of dark veins running through his forearm, a dense network of them cutting through muscle and bone. Dead veins. He flexed his hand. No, a claw. And a forest of black talons jerked in response. Revulsion burned down his spine and he whipped his gaze up, trying to speak, realized his mouth wouldn't open. He had no lips. No tongue. 
The woman stood and took the girl's hand, led her away from him and toward the dark passage. She hesitated for a moment, glanced back. Her eyes held his for an unbearable moment, the color unnatural, a strange, liquid purple before fading to a soft brown, a color that had once meant something, as had the girl. No more. Now. Nothing mattered. Nothing but finding a heart. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Wicked Library is a Ninth Story Studios production. Our host and producer is Daniel Foytek. That's me. Our lead editor and executive producer is Scarlett Algy. Our art director and executive producer, Jeanette Andromeda. Our resident composer and executive producer, is Nico Viteze. Support for our show is provided through Patreon by our Patreon supporters at patreon.com forward slash wicked library.